Welcome to Expert Views on Alternative Dispute Resolution, EVA, a podcast about simplifying ADR in a bid to attract more and more users to the process. My name is Chinwe Stella Ebonike Umebolu. I am a PhD ADR student from the University of Brighton, United Kingdom. I'm super excited to welcome Professor Mark Fieldman, an accomplished leader in the area of commercial investment arbitration. He has served both in public and private sectors, ranging from USA, China, Singapore, and many Asian nations. Um, his articles have been cited in over 200 publications. Um, his government experience also includes service as a law clerk to Judge Eric Clay on the U.S. Court of Appeal for the Sixth Circuit. Um, professor Fieldman is currently a professor of law at the Peking University School of Transnational Law. And also he's my mentor among many other accomplishments, too many to mention. Welcome to the show, um, Professor Fieldman. Oh, thanks so much, Jinwei, for the invitation. Uh, it's an honor having you. Thank you so much. Um, so I have a couple of questions lined up for you. So the first question is, um, your paper, I think it's a, um, a chapter in your, in your book, um, one-stop commercial dispute resolution services. Um, it seems to have examined in some details the integrated um, commercial dispute resolution in China, um, bringing together mediation, arbitration, and litigation. How do you see the impact of this um, novel concept working within China and how the rest of the world would react to it? Right, so... On, on the mainland, I, I think right now there are two institutions to focus on with respect to one-stop uh, dispute resolution. Yeah. Uh, the first of the two, the first of the two, has received more attention. That's the China International Commercial Court, uh, which now has tribunals in Shenzhen and Xi'an. Uh, the second is newer and has received far less attention, uh, and that is the ICDPASO, the International Commercial Dispute Prevention and Settlement Organization, which is based in Beijing. Okay. Uh, each, of these institutions, each of these institutions are highlighting their respective one-stop dispute resolution platforms, but the design of the two institutions uh, is very different. And, and so we can talk about many of the different ways uh, that these are different institutions offering very different options for users. Mm, all right. Um, thank you so much for that. Um, but when it comes to... Um, um, Singapore, because you also related um, that Singapore is um, a leader, at least in Asia, in the area of commercial investment arbitration, um, using what you described as legal hubs. How is their approach like different from that of um, China, adopted by China? And what are the reasons for their success? Right. So on, on one stop, dispute resolution, I, I think one interesting difference is if you look at mainland China, the, the China International Commercial Court, yeah. that 
institution, the, the one-stop platform is embedded within that institution. Okay. And I think similarly, the, the, the Beijing organization, the ICGPASO, their one-stop platform is also embedded within that institution. And I think in Singapore, we've seen a bit of a different approach mm -hmm. where as a government, I, I think the, the message to the global community is that Singapore as a destination is a global leader in dispute resolution and a global leader with respect to one-stop dispute resolution. Yeah. But if you look at the Singapore, the Singapore International Commercial Court, it is not as if a one-stop platform is embedded within that institution. Instead, that institution is, is simply working alongside arbitration institutions, alongside mediation institutions. So I, I think that the design of the one-stop mechanism is a bit different. Where again, in Singapore, you have the court option, you have arbitration options, you have mediation options, yeah. and all of those different options are, are, are complementing one another, but I think it is different from what we see in mainland China, where within the court itself, we have that court uh, establishing a one-stop platform within the institution. All right. Um, thank you so much for highlighting the various um, ways, um, is it various options available, yeah, um, at the one-stop dispute um, services. Um, but another question is from what you just said. Um, so how would you address the fears of the purists, though, that is those that um, want to miss ADR, that do not want to miss ADR with litigation? Um, we would see these integrated hubs as nothing but interference in an area considered purely an ADR arena, you know, rather than mixing it with litigation or Professor Mark, um, Sanders' um, idea of multi-docot house. Um, many would argue that arbitration should just be arbitration and litigation should never be a part of ADR. So, you know, but in, in all, all of this, where do you stand? Where, you know, what do you think? Right. So with respect to mediation in particular, yeah. I, I think we see mediation, mediation is advancing on several fronts mm -hmm. um, and the, the, high, the, highest pro, the highest profile development, of course, is the Singapore Convention on Mediation. Mm -hmm. And uh, many, compar many comparisons have been made between the Singapore Convention and the New York Convention that the Singapore Convention uh, will allow for greater enforceability of mediated settlement agreements, not unlike how the New York Convention has operated for arbitral awards. And I think what's equally important about the Singapore Convention is not only how it's advancing the enforceability of, of mediated settlement agreements, but I think on a, a higher level, yeah. I think the convention is 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 elevating the status of mediation. Hmm. That now you see the now you see the UN as the guardian of not only the New York Convention but now the guardian of 
the Singapore Convention. Yeah. And, and so now with the two conventions, we now we see arbitration and mediation operating in effect on the same plane. So I, I think, again, that the Singapore Convention is important, not only in terms of enforceability, but also in terms of status, yeah. the status of mediation. And, and then I would just add, we see mediation developing on a few other fronts as well. One, obviously, is, is uh, Belt and Road, Belt and Road Dispute Settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very clear that mediation is a, is a core component of Belt and, Ro- and, Belt and Road Dispute Settlement. The, the ICC, for example, uh, in their recommendations for Belt and Road disputes, they recommend that mediation always be considered for any Belt and Road dispute. Uh, with investment arbitration, we see very significant developments uh, with mediation uh, in connection with investment arbitration. ICSID, the, the International Settled, uh, Center for Settlement of Investment Disputes, in 2018 uh, developed a set of mediation rules so these mediation rules are, in addition to the, the existing uh, conciliation rules that ICSID offers, and, and their mediation rules, unlike the conciliation rules, the mediation rules uh, do not have uh, any kind of uh, jurisdictional requirement in terms of a nexus to ICSID membership, rather that the mediation rules are simply freely available. Yeah. Uh, so we see ICSID taking a strong interest in, in uh, mediation. Also, just this month, ICSID uh, uh, issued a publication providing an overview of investment treaty clauses on mediation, uh, and that report sets out a lot of the recent investment treaty practice where states are including mediation provisions in their investment treaties, and uh, much of that practice has been in Asia. We see a very active uh, practice in Asia, including mediation provisions. And, yeah. and then, in addition, you mentioned the, the, multi, the multi-door courthouse, yeah. and so reflecting Professor Sanders' model. And I, I think that with the increased interest in one-stop resolution, generally increased interest in, in multi-door, the multi-door model, uh, of course, that is going to also elevate the status and interest in mediation. And I think it's interesting that UNCITROL, as you know, UNCITROL is working on investment arbitration reform. Yeah. And there's been a lot of discussion about uh, the, the need for a so-called open architecture approach to investment arbitration reform. Uh, and I, I have seen senior UNCITROL officials uh, expressly referring to these reform efforts, uh, uh, appealing to th- this kind of courthouse model, this, this house yeah. model with many different doors, and yeah. you can enter through the different doors. Yeah. So yeah. we see Unthicol is absolutely focused on a, a multi-door kind of model and open architecture approach, and, and so any kind of open ar- ar- architecture approach uh, will have to be open to mediation. Hmm. Oh, wow. All right, thank you so much. Um, one more question, still on the multi-door courthouse. What do you think? Is there any difference between this um, between one-stop um, dispute um, resolution services and the multi-door courthouse? Is there any differences, or they are the same? What do you think? I I think under either term. I mean, whether you refer to the model as a multi-door courthouse, whether you refer to the one-stop yeah. term. I, I, I don't think 
the term itself implies any particular difference. Mm -hmm. I I think the differences are in in terms of the implementation. How do we how do we implement a multi door courthouse? How do we implement a a one stop platform? And, And so, as I mentioned, with the approach that you see from these mainland institutions. Uh, in Shenzhen, Xi'an, uh, and now Beijing, uh, we see with the China International Commercial Court and the ICDPASO, yeah. we see with those institutions deciding to include the the multi-door courthouse, include the one-stop platform within a particular institution. So, of course, that's one way to implement the, the model. But as I mentioned, uh, you can look to, to Singapore, which is implementing the model, I think, a bit differently yeah. in terms of not including everything within one institution, okay. but rather seeing different institutions uh, working together. Okay. Um, thank you so much. So I, I'm so sorry I said final question. One more question. Um, what is your advice for um, people or for um um yeah persons that would want to um go into study career in um ADR or in arbitration what would um be your advice um to them right well i i mean there are so many different ways to begin to develop a profile within mm-hmm. arbitration i i, I think it, it for people starting out, if there are opportunities with arbitration institutions, with mediation institutions, I, I think that is a great way uh, to get started, to start developing a network yeah. um, so that certainly certainly law firms provide uh, great training. Yeah. Uh, if there's an early opportunity to work at an institution, that might be a nice way to start out and then transition uh, to a private firm, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps after a, a few years. Uh, publications are yeah. another great way to start to develop a, a profile, yeah. and, and especially for, for more junior lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, co-authoring with, with, a more, with a more senior scholar or lawyer uh, can be a nice way to, to begin to develop a profile through publications. Uh, and then, I mean, just as you're taking advantage of social media, yeah. I, I think that there are so many interesting developments with social media, so many materials now that are publicly available. And so I, I, I think it's just, it's a really good use of your time to you. uh, pay attention to the discussions that are happening on social media. And, yeah. and now just virtually with webinars, I, I mean, it seems like virtually every day yeah. there is some interesting webinar that's available generally to the public. Uh, so there are incredible resources that are now available virtually without registration fees, right? So, I mean, just great ways for young lawyers to uh, continue to educate themselves and to continue to demonstrate their interests in the area. And I think that demonstration of interest mm. is very important, that when, when employers see that someone is active in the community, that they've published a few articles, yeah. they've interned at a few institutions, um, these are all great ways for junior lawyers to demonstrate a, a genuine interest in this area. Yeah. Oh. All right. Thank you so much for sharing this valuable insights on um, Eva. I'm so very grateful that, you know, you agreed to, you know, come on the show. And so... 
Thank you once more. So to my listeners, stay tuned. Oh, okay, same thanks. time. Bye bye. Thank you. Hey, thanks so much. Uh, thanks for that. Yeah. All right. Bye. Okay. Welcome. Bye. Cheers.